This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3386 for Monday, the 26th of July 2021. Today's show is entitled, What's for Dinner? It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 22 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, some scripts and a database for randomly choosing which meal to cook. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. everybody. Welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is Dave Morris. I want to talk today about a bit of software that I've written and um, I'm entitled to show what's for dinner. And it's about some scripts and a database that I've written for randomly choosing which meal to cook on a particular time. Now I I have two uh, grown-up children. I live on my own these days but every week, pretty much every week, they come over for dinner. I cook dinner for them. What I normally do is to prepare something for the Wednesday and make enough of it so we can also eat it on the Thursday. And that's every week when they're around. They're not always around. I normally do the cooking, as I say, but we've, we're gradually evolving to a thing where some of the meals in the list are managed by uh, one of the kids. Anyway, in 2019, I thought it would be useful if I had some sort of a random chooser to decide what we should do for next week. Because before that, I think we'd just been saying, what do you fancy next week? And they'd say, oh, could you do blah, blah, blah. And I would do that. But we'd, we'd um, sometimes they'd go, oh, I don't know, you choose. So I like to solve these sorts of problems with a bit of software. Initially, I wrote a bash script. I called it choose meal and it used a simple csv file of meal names and the date last eaten so we could avoid choosing the same one too often this was not very good it uh, showed its weaknesses quite quickly it wasn't long before choose meal got rewritten in Perl, which is the scripting language i prefer to use still these days languages go in and out of fashion Perl was fashionable when I was working, and I wrote a lot of stuff in it. I've not really had a great desire to move on to other scripting languages. Perl is not fashionable anymore, but it, it does the job pretty well. I, I do rather like the way it does it. I'm stuck in a rut, probably, but there you go. Anyway, this time I decided to use a database, and I chose SQ, SQLite to create it. And um, the database is pretty simple. It just contains two tables, one for the meals themselves, just a simple description. I'll come on to what I store and stuff in a minute. And um, there's another another table for the history of the choices made. And it was partly because that was a, a way of avoiding choosing the same one too often, but it's also quite 
nice to produce historical reports, I thought. Now, in 2019, the design of this system was very specific to our needs. One choice per week on a Wednesday. So it was not something that I could hand over to anybody else, which seemed like a bad idea. I mentioned this to Ken when we were at Old Camp in 2019. And he said, ooh, that sounds interesting. And I thought, ah, yeah, but it's it's tailored for us, not for anybody else. So in late 2020, during the lockdown and all that stuff, the COVID era, and in early 2021, I redesigned this system. And um, I'm going to talk a bit about what I did in the, in the redesign in this show. And in May 2021, a more general design was added to the public GitLab, GitLab repository that I'd set up and I began preparing to make this show. It's taken a while. I'm not very quick at doing these things. I'd never intended this system to hold recipes as such, partly because I have a, a collection of recipes that I've constructed from various sources, online things, recipe books and so on, fiddle around with them and so on. I've typed them up in LibreOffice and then I've printed them out and put them in a folder. And sometimes I do things which are multi-component, like when we have curry, I, I pick things, um, components for that. So there's no hard and fast recipe menu for that particular one. So it doesn't seem appropriate to hold the recipes in the database or even references to them. But the more I think about it, the more it might be something that I, I would like to do in the future, but don't hold your breath. So brief chat about the database itself, in case you're interested. The overall design developed as time went on. And what I hold for each meal is the name, a unique name, because it's a key. The There's a figure which is the delay between occurrences of the meal. So if I, a lot of them have just got 28, so every every 28 days it can come up. But some of them are really popular and I, I, I make it so they could come up in like a couple of weeks. I also keep a record of when the, the meal was last eaten, so it's easier to work out um, whether we're in, in the delay period from last time. I can enable or disable a meal. Sometimes we disable them when we got a bit fed up with them, or maybe they're seasonal. I also store notes about the meal, just sort of general hints to myself to don't forget to buy whatever. It could, you could, you could make this more fancy, you could make it give you a shopping list or something, or components of a shopping list, something like that. But I'm not really bothered about doing that, I can manage perfectly well as it is. It's gonna, it's public domain, it's sitting there on a, a Git repository, so if you, if, you, if it sounds of, of any interest to you, you're perfectly welcome to fork it and uh, mess around with it and do your own thing. The meal history stuff is just a thing that links back to the meal table. So it's got an ID in there, meal ID. Then the date of entry of the log, it's, it's a log table effectively. Then the minimum number of days at the time the meal was chosen, because I might be fiddling with that number. So it's useful to keep that, I think. Anyway, the date this meal was previously eaten is there, and um date that it was last eaten. So um, there's a way of tracking back through the history of a given meal to see the dates on which it was eaten and the 
and work out the number of days between it, all that sort of stuff. Some of which I use, but it's it's just more uh, more me messing around than anything else. I quite enjoy playing with databases. The history table is written automatically using a trigger in the database. So when something changes in the, the main meal information table, then the uh, the log is, is written. So I've got two scripts that work with this system. One is called Choose Meal, just like the original one was, and it makes a random choice from the database. There's also Manage Meal, which is something I wrote later, which allows the management of meal entries in the database and can do all the report generation and that sort of stuff. They're both Perl scripts. They contain embedded documentation. If you call the script with the option hyphen help, then it will give you a brief summary of the options and how to use them. You can also get more in-depth information by using the option hyphen man page, where it will print the entire documentation. So they're all on the Git repository on GitLab, and I've linked that in the notes. The idea was that if you wanted to install this, you could clone the repository and maybe keep a copy of the repo locally and then make a, another copy of it rather than running everything out of the uh, repo copy repository copy put it in a different directory up to you if, if you want to do it there's an installation section later on in the notes that i'll talk about briefly so before you can use this thing you have to have a database and um, you need to put some meals in it the number of meals you add to it depends on how often you plan to choose stuff what delay you set and so forth. So it's entirely possible for you to set things up so there's not enough or the the time between them is too long so that the chooser can't actually choose anything. So there's no... I haven't come up with a simple way of determining that. I suppose it would be possible. But um, it's it's a factor that you'd, you'd need to consider if you were working with this. The database can easily be populated with this manage meal script using the hyphen add option. You can add meals in a disabled state and then enable them later, which I tend to do because I make them disabled while I'm maybe experimenting with the, the, the best recipe and switch them on so they become eligible for choice once the uh, I'm happy with the, the recipe. There's a summary option which lets you see all of what's in the database. You can list a given meal with a hyphen list option and you can add hyphen full to that to get the notes as well. Now, on the repository, I've tried to write some pretty comprehensive instructions and I'm not going to duplicate them here, really, because what's the point? You could go and read them there. I just wanted to give you the flavour of it. You, you might be saying, well, this is of no interest to me whatsoever, and, uh, you know, maybe you're going to hit the delete button any minute. But um, in case you, you find it interesting, you can go and look at the repository and um, decide whether you want to go further with it. So the Choose Meal script does the random choosing what i normally do each week is to run choose meal with the hyphen verbose option and the, and then put on the hyphen dry hyphen run option that means it will have a go it'll, it'll make a choice but it won't save it and it'll also tell you 
what it's choosing from because not all the meals in the database will be eligible at any given time because of the uh, the delay number usually i get like four or five options that it says are going to choose from and then it makes a choice so by default when you run it it makes a choice of the current date but you can you can make it choose a future date by using the hyphen date equals and then a date using the ISO 8601 format is preferred. I did try and write this so it could handle different date formats, but I haven't quite got it to the point where it will it will handle as many as I expected I'd be able to, to deal with. The script itself can't be given a, a date like next Friday, but if you use a command substitution as the date and you use the date command where you specify next Friday returning an ISO 8601 date as an example in the notes, then that, that does the job. And it makes a pretty good, uh, an easy, fairly easy way. You've got to type a bit more brackets and dollars and stuff, but uh, it's, uh, it's okay. Then there's an alternative, which is if you want, it, you, you want it to just choose for the same day each week, like, as I do, and that should be the default. But if you want to choose something special, you could still override that. Then there's a conf configuration file which um, specifies what your default date is. I mentioned briefly what the configuration file looks like. It's a, a YAML file. It's called .choosemeal.yml. But you can provide other names if you want to, to store it somewhere else. I won't read out what, what I've written here, which tells you that how to lay out the file. But basically, you're declaring which which is your preferred weekday if you're letting it make its own cho its own choice of of day. And in this case, the name of the weekday is Wednesday. And the language used is English. You you can actually write it in other languages because the library underneath can handle that. So YAML's a bit of an odd thing uh, to use. It's it's pretty simple to to write, but it's a bit fussy about uh, spaces and stuff. I think I've, in the repo I've got an example that you could just uh, edit to your own desires if you wished. I've also mentioned that the file is similar in structure to the JSON, if that's something you know better. And I've shown what it would look like in JSON form. There's, a, there's an on, online tool, various tools that will convert from YAML to JSON. So... Let's talk about installation if you wanted to install this. It's a bit involved, but it's often the case with scripts and libraries and stuff. I tested this on uh, Raspberry Pi, which didn't have in any of the, the things that I have on my desktop machine. So I found that in order to get this to work, I needed to install various things. I needed to, to, to install Git, the, uh, the thing for managing repositories, SQLite 3, which is SQLite, and Perl doc, Perl hyphen doc, which is the, which contains tools for displaying, um, documentation in Perl files. So I explain how you could get the repository. And I prefer to put it, put these sorts of things in a directory called git with a capital G to you. If you make the directory, go to it and then run git clone, then it will create a, um, directory underneath there with the contents of the repository so and if you want to update it at a later stage because it's under development this thing you can go to that directory where the where you just put the, 
the repository and type git space pull to get the latest updates. Now I decided to put all of the stuff from the all of yeah all, the, all everything from this repository into another directory which I called weekly underscore menus with a capital W. And I've got an example of an rsync command. I think rsync's built in so you don't need to install it if you're on a Raspberry Pi. Which grabs everything out of the repository apart from files under the directory .git and bungs them into that directory. So you could run that after, if you wanted to do it that way, you could run that after you did the git pull you wanted to. Now there's quite a lot of Perl modules that this these scripts use. Ten maybe? Didn't actually count them. The way you get them with Perl is not dissimilar from the way that you get Python libraries with pip, but um, with Perl you you're probably best to use a thing called cpanm, which is short for cpan minus. CPAN is a Perl thing, Comprehensive Perl Archive Network. So you can um, you can do what I've suggested here, which is to run, use curl to download the CPAN minus tool. And you need to use a sudo option to install it. You might be asked for a password, but on the Pi I was using the default user lowercase pi, I, uh, I wasn't prompted. So it's pretty quick to download and install. So then you need to cd to the the weekly menus directory and then you can use a file called modules underscore needed and feed that to the CP, cpanm thing. But there's an example of how you do that and um, I won't go into detail with it here since it's pretty pretty straightforward and it's it's explained here in the notes and you can actually rerun this at a later stage and it will update any modules that might need it so having done that make sure you, it can take a while by the way uh, there's 77 modules that got installed in total because there's some of the modules i'm using have dependencies so on a on a um a system that doesn't have any Perl stuff on it, you are going to have to uh, download a fair bit. But if you run it again at a later date to update things, it will take far less time because all the dependencies should have been uh, satisfied. So the final step in installation is to create the database. And to do that, there's an example here running sqlite3 command, making a file called meals.db, which is the default database name. There's a file called meals underscore db dot sql in the repository, and um, that contains all the commands ne needed to build the database. Then you can go in, use the uh, manage meal tool to add meals to it. And I've got an example shown here as to how you do that. If you're in the business of adding the meal haggis, neeps, and tatties to your database. I suggest that if you're into using this, you take a regular backup of the database. And I've ex I've included a script that will do this. And I run this every day at 21.55. And the reason I choose that time, you could choose any time you like, uh, is that there is a, a master backup that runs at 10 o'clock um, at night every day. So this makes sure that the backups of the database get backed up to the master backup. The script simply runs SQLite in its backup mode and uh, saves the, the data in a file 
called meals underscore db followed by an, a date and timestamp. It also compresses it using bzip2. I mentioned here how you could restore it. If you, if you happen to have lost your database for whatever reason, you could restore it from, uh, from a backup. The cron script will actually delete old backups. Um, it's got a 140 day limit at the moment, but uh, I'll let you fiddle around with that as the, the mood takes you. It's, it's not the best way of making the backup. At least you've got something to fall back on. I write it to a back to a direct subject called backups, and um, it's it's good. I have I have on occasion screwed up the database, but that's because of development. And then I've been able to pull back the previous version from the from this file. But uh, as I said, I, I I have a thing that does daily backups to an external disk, which is uh, a bit better. Hopefully, you're doing something with regard to backups that will uh, will handle this. So what's next for this system? Am I going to do anything else with it? Well, if I get any feedback, I might look at doing some other stuff. There is a brief to-do list here as a possible things I might add to it. I might add the ability to include or link to recipes. So if you had a preferred way of Cooking haggis, neeps, and tatties. Then it would be it would be good to to point to a, a, a recipe for that. I also might just do some general tidying of the of the code. There are a few issues that I spotted as I was uh, preparing this show. Nothing very very exciting. So I'll finish off with are there some links? I'm I pointed at Perl five just in case you you. Don't, you're not up to speed with what Perl does these days. Perl 5 is still being developed at, at quite, a, quite a rapid rate. There was um, a version of Perl called Perl 6 that came out, and it's totally different from the original Perl, Perl 5. So it got renamed as Raku, and, and that seems to be coming along quite nicely. It's not going to be as popular as Python and, um, and other other scripting languages, but it 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 has some very interesting features to it, so it's uh, it's worth being aware of it. There is a Perl seven in the making, which will be um, the next update to Perl five, obviously because they had to skip six. And if you don't know what SQLite is, then check that out because it's a really clever way of making a small, as it says here, as fast, self-contained, high-reliability, full-featured SQL database engine. You just make one file in which you can f- put a full, f- pretty sophisticated database for free, which uh, can do the sort of things that a lot of the, the big expensive ones can do. Not all of the things that they can do, but, but quite a lot. And it's uh, pretty easy to use from all sorts of languages. And you probably got it in in your setup somewhere. It sits behind things like music players. Like it's on probably on if you've got an Android phone, it's probably in there behind something or other because it's just so easy to make a, a little database to to uh, manage stuff with SQLite. And I've also linked here to the GitLab repo for weekly menus. So I hope you found that at least mildly interesting and uh, you might indeed go and look further at this thing and uh, and adopt it and if you do let me know okay then bye bye
You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Thank you.